G'day and greetings. You are listening to the 15th ever episode of the second ever season of the Plebs on Footy podcast. For the second week running, everyone is happy to hear that I am your host, Scott Fotheringham, and this time I'm joined by the great man himself. We have Stringer. How's it going, String? Oh, it's great. We haven't seen Rory in a couple of weeks, so it's been fantastic. It's been a great life, hasn't yeah, it? Has, and has. Uh, yeah, I've been getting some very grumpy messages from him, so it's fantastic. <laughs> it was the best Saturday night I think I can ever remember. Well, what, a, what a great, great night of footy. Um, I have to say, we don't have a producer. He's a bit of a dog, this bloke. He just he refused to make the away trip up to Queensland last week. <laughs> Bloody whitey. Yeah, yeah. And then this week, he's decided he's going up to Queensland so that he's not here to produce back in Melbourne. So I think he's just running away from us. I think he might be. He's a dickhead. What an absolute bastard. But anyway, let's get into what everybody loves. Let's get into the first segment, Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. The title derives from a line in Happy Gilmore... Gold, uh, gold jacket, green jacket, who gives a shit. And it's when we give 3-2-1 votes for the most meaningless game of the round. You know the games I'm talking about, Stringer. The games which you look down on your phone and you see the score and you just think, who gives a shit? That's right. Um, interestingly, this is one of the best rounds of footy I think I can ever remember. But it's actually one of the easiest gold jacket, green jacket votes I think I've ever given. Well, because, because there were so many good games. There were... There were but then there were a few that stood out as... There were five absolute blinders, and then there were four fairly average games. I think it became pretty obvious which were the ones that were going to get the votes. One vote we're giving to Richmond Carlton. Uh, Richmond defeated Carlton by 26 points. Uh, did you manage to watch this game, stream? No. No, you didn't watch it? <laughs> you, are, you are a bastard. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, um, did you? Yeah, well, uh, uh, this probably is a bit of a surprising game, if anything. That's probably why I only gave it the one vote, for the fact that Richmond actually managed to hold on to a lead. Yeah, was, well, <laughs> I was following the scores, and it looked like they might might uh, throw it away, from what I could see. But, uh, no, good on them for, uh, for for holding on to a lead, and especially in a round where no one else seemed to be able to. Yeah, it was the round of being Richmond without Richmond actually being Richmond. You know, you know the round truly was messed up when uh, no one else could hold on to a lead, but Richmond could. It is. It's a, that that is a re- really that's weird round of footy. Yeah. Um, and like, I mean, I suppose like it was a little bit of a blockbuster ending into it in some in some senses. I mean, two big <laughs> two big clubs. Carlton are actually playing some really good footy. And we're at the stage now where you actually don't know whether you're going to beat Carlton. Like, Carlton are a chance every week. They're a dangerous oh, they're, team. They're playing out of their skins. It's Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's important for Richmond to tick these ones off the list. So exactly. good on there. Moving on, two votes. St Kilda defeated Gold Coast by 31 points. Now, the, uh, this one is a, a pretty obvious one. I mean, St Kilda, they're not a great side, I don't think. What are your thoughts on St Kilda? I, I don't mind the Saints. I think they've got a lot of potential there. I think they, they're going to be a good side very, very soon. But do you, uh, believe, do you think they're going to improve? Like The, the issues which Rory and I have talked over with them is that I, I, don't, I feel like there's more, at least in the short term, there's more opportunity for them to go down based on losing older players rather than actually improving. I mean, I know they've got some good younger players and they have... Like they have probably. a reasonable amount of sort of depth of younger players, but there aren't many stars in there. I think I think in once you once a few of those uh, older players do uh, do start to, to leave, and, and we start to see uh, we'll start to see some of the, the younger players but taking a bit more responsibility. I, I do think that there's a lot of potential there for St Kilda. Wouldn't be surprised to see them uh, become a very good side in the uh, in the, the sort of midterm future. Who are you, who are you thinking is going to take take the mantle? Um, it's a good question. Um, guys like Dunstan. I mean, he's he's been around for a little while now, but he's probably got some improvement in him. He's had a lot of injuries. Yeah, yeah. I think got a lot of those little fellas, Loney. I think there's there's just a lot of as you said. There's, there's a good sort of base of younger players there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who does start to take that responsibility. But it's something you do see. Oh, you know, you, you see a little bit in. Um, 
it's just some some players just come out of nowhere occasionally. Um, and I think that that's what we'll see with at least one or two of the players at St Kilda. I do think they'll be a good side. Uh, okay. I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of, like, okay players, but I just can't see who's going to be, like, I'm the new Nick Revolt, I'm the new Lee Montana. Well, it might be that they bring in a free agent as well, or, to, or a couple. It, uh, could, could do. Be... They're out of the five-year race, but they're still gunning for Dusty, so, yeah, so yeah. it could happen. And, um, yeah, I'm officially Gold Coast and no good. I mean, they, they had a reasonable run there against... I think they were lucky that they played teams on bad days. I actually managed to watch Gold Coast a few weeks in a row and thought they... Thought they weren't fantastic, but uh, yeah, they're not a great side. And I mean, I don't think it means too much for St Kilda winning this game, in all honesty. And I think they're just below the pack. I do not think they're going to make make finals this year. Anyway, moving on, three votes. Now, this game was actually tailor made for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket, GWS against Brisbane. Like, it was always going to happen. GWS defeated Brisbane by sixty points. So of well, course, you say the, it was always going to oh, happen, but oh. you, ne- you never know. This year, it's uh... come on. If there's any obvious game, GWS Brisbane. Oh, I mean, it's a result we could have all predicted, but uh, <laughs> there's a few games this year that that uh, have thrown up some surprises. I'm just saying, there's there's no such thing as a uh, as a shock this year. There's uh, anything can happen, and any team can beat anyone on their day. Just not this week. You're right. Brisbane, for this game, Brisbane defeating GWS would have made North defeating uh, Adelaide look like a bloody walking apart. Like it did. <laughs> That this is the most clear gold jacket, green jacket I think I've ever given. So to those teams, we say gold jacket, green jacket. Who gives a shit? Good work, Stringer. I'm quite impressed with you there. That was that was some quite sharp work. Anyway, I don't really have much to say on this team. GWS are going. Are you on the GWS? Are definitely going to win the flag bandwagon. I don't think you can say anyone's definitely going to win the flag. Okay, you're not there. Me I do. And I do think, it in that it's I, a fact. I do think they will win. Okay. But I definitely don't think it's definite. I mean, we've, we've said regardless of injuries, they're going to win it, no matter what. Well, you've got to <laughs> so say that they've had a few of them, haven't they? And they're, actually, they're actually still piling up. So, but, no, nah, nah, they're, they're definitely going to win it. Anyway, let's move on to the good games of footy. Thursday night, I have a confession to make about this game. And Hawthorne defeated Adelaide by 14 points. I, the confession which I have to make was I was actually recording last week's episode of the podcast during the game. We recorded the entire pod talking about talking about Adelaide and Hawthorne as if we didn't know that game was going on. By the time we made our tips, I made the comment, uh, Adelaide, of course, they're going to flog them, and the result was already over in the background, <laughs> and I knew they hadn't. But, I mean, what the hell? How the hell did this happen, Stream? Um, well, from what I remember, it, it was a while ago now. Um, <laughs> it was. Thursday night footy. Um, uh, from what I remember, I think Adelaide... Uh, it, the, most of the game, it looked like you know Adelaide were, were just holding him out. Hawthorne were hanging on, but it, you got the sense that Adelaide were uh, were just going to be too just that little bit too good. And then uh, the last quarter rolled around, and I suppose uh, Hawthorne came along, and Adelaide didn't have any answers. It's uh, it's interesting. It's 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 hard to place Adelaide, isn't it? A bit. I, look, they had they had two bad weeks. And then they just look like they were back to it again. I think every team, this, there is no team this year who was so consistent that they're going to win every week. But I think Adelaide have been right up there with the most consistent anyway. So yeah, like, This was 17th knocking off first. I mean, it's... Yeah, but Hawthorne have played... Look, they haven't been good this year, obviously. But they've played odd good games. They have. You're right. And they're still, you've got to remember that they're, they're still... You know, it was only 
year and a half ago that they won their third flag in a row. I mean, the team can't get that bad that quick. Exactly. They still got a lot of good players on the list. I they like do. you because bloody Rory's been rattling on about how they're the worst team he's ever seen. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's been bloody brutal. He says both. So, do you think it was one of those games where it felt like Adelaide were the better team and eventually they'd get on top, or was that just like a, a psychological thing where you just assumed they were going to be? I guess. I guess it must have been. I mean, it, it was. It just Adelaide for most of the game from memory were in front. They 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 had uh, whenever Hawthorne sort of got a bit of a run on Adelaide would have the answers and then uh, came around the last quarter just sort of kept kept in touch with them. Just Hawthorne knew how to win, I guess. I mean. Just, did you see any indication of Rory's been going with the blueprint to beat Adelaide? He says you take Sloan out of the game, pressure them around the ball, have a man sitting out, uh, sitting out the back, like right out the back the entire time to make sure that there's no space for Adelaide to move into. And that means like a useless player for most of the game. He just kind of stands there to deter them. He's of the opinion that that's happened every, every time they've lost and that that's the blueprint. Do you reckon Hawthorne put that into action? Um, Sloan had 23, I think. So he had an okay game. But I mean, Sloan... It wasn't his worst. After the first, you know, those first six or so rounds when Sloan was just on fire and getting best on ground every week, his influence hasn't been that great. And Adelaide has still been winning. I mean, he's still been good, obviously. He's, he's a class player. But um, I don't think that you can necessarily say that taking Sloan out of the game is how you beat Adelaide because they've still been winning games. I think there would be a pretty strong correlation. I, he absolutely dominated when they were winning every game by a mile. Then there were two weeks where he was completely taken out of the game and they lost him. You can't and win. then he got back into some reasonable form and they kept winning again. And then I think last week was the first time ever which he was actually tagged out of the game and they managed to win the game anyway. It did happen one week. And then this week, I mean, look, it wasn't his worst game, but his influence wasn't as big as you. I don't think. buy the argument that, that one player can can make that much of a difference to a team. Some teams it can. Adelaide, they don't have a lot of stars. They have a lot of depth, but they don't have the star power. And mm. Sloan is the only genuine star in their list. And you take him out of the game, it does make a difference. But that's not the only part of the blueprint, of course. Mm. I mean, the, the comment was made that the, when you see... I, I remember sort of uh, within the game coverage, the comment was made that when you've seen Adelaide so far this year... They've either won by... They've won clearly or lost clearly. I mean, this is probably one of the first games where it's been a close game right the way through for Adelaide. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's probably uh, what we are, we're just over halfway through the season. And it's probably the first time we've actually seen Adelaide in a tight game. Um, and it could be, you know, given that uh, they were the team was able to run over the top of them in the last quarter and, and they didn't have the answers, that could be a, uh, a bit of a worrying sign, especially looking towards finals where they're going to have those uh, those high-pressure games. and So, so you're, you're not 100% sold on them? I mean, they're, on Adelaide? Yeah. They are, um, I think it, it seems very obvious. GWS are the best team, and then it feels like Adelaide are another level above anyone else. No, I couldn't say I'm 100% sold on them. I, I do think they've definitely got the potential there and that they've got the ingredients to go a very long way, possibly all the way. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're going to have to... Uh, they're going to have to play better than they did last last week. Learn to win close ones, or at least have some experience. In well, that. we don't know how. We don't know. We don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, this is the. This, I'm only making the comment. This is the first close game we've seen them in, and yeah. they uh, they didn't have the answers. Might be a one off, or it might be a uh, a sign of a of a worrying uh, worrying sort of trend. Well, it's it's likely that that will that. They will have some close games in finals. That's so you think saying. perhaps they need to get a bit of experience playing the closer games before. 
uh, before they get there to give themselves a bit of experience. But anyway, let's move on. Sydney defeated Essendon by one point on Friday night. Now, <laughs> I was sitting watching this with the, with the old pooch, a uh, passionate Richmond supporter, and he bloody loved the fact that he reckons a team out Richmond. Rich, Richmond is—is is that what happened? That's that's it's it is the most Richmond thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, there's a little over three minutes to go. Nineteen points. The that is a certain. I, I've spoken to four or five people who reckon they turned the TV off with five minutes left. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez, that isn't that is an absolute choke. I this was a um. I think it was kind of an interesting game to watch. I think they're very, very contrasting styles, which became pretty obvious. I think Sydney are a really good contested ball team, and they just try to get numbers to the contest and just kind of hack the ball forward. And they're kind of a little bit boring in the way they do it. I think there's there's very sort of clear structure with the way they go forward, and there's not too much spark. Where Essendon are a quick side, they're quite an adventurous side, and it, like watching the game. It felt like the reason why Essendon got on top and we thought Essendon were definitely going to win was they just they had a little bit extra spark and a different way of going forward. And they were a lot more exciting. But then, I, look, really, I, I think Essendon probably deserved to win it. And <laughs> although, although if you look at the scoring shots, Sydney had a lot more and probably should have been up by more getting into the last quarter. But watching the game, it did feel like Essendon had the ascendancy. I, I'm starting to say, I think Essendon are a pretty good side. They've, uh, they've got... Certainly, I think the uh, the pieces there to be a good side. Mm-hmm. They've just it, and it's it's the way with a lot of teams this season. They just they're not showing consistency, and it's it's interesting. I, I feel. I do you think they're getting more consistent as the season goes on? Which I I don't know if I'm reading into it too much with the whole you know players coming back from a year off sort of thing, which people have talked about. I don't know how important that is, but it feels to me every time I watch them, it's felt like. I'm a little bit more sure on them, and I feel like they're they're slowly working there, and their best foot is pretty good. Their best foot is pretty good. Um, I'm not sure if they are getting more consistent, or um, I, I, would, I I don't think so personally. Um, they've certainly got a. Uh, they're going to have to play better than they did in the last five minutes this week if they're, yeah. going, to be, if they're going to do anything. I still, I still left the game feeling pretty pot. Like I, I went, I went in with this idea of I think Essendon are pretty good, and I'm trying to get some assurance of that. And I still kind of felt it watching the game. I'll tell you what, coming out of this game, I had much, many more questions about where Sydney are at than Essendon. Because, I mean, how do you place? In many ways, in my mind, Sydney are a bit of a, a bit of the opposite to Adelaide here, where they've. they've They've put together some pretty pretty poor performances and then showed the occasional glimpses of brilliance. In, in well, contrast to Adelaide, where they, they've put in together some great performances and then showed uh, showed a few games where they've been uh, hopeless. I mean, really, Sydney were consistently terrible early, and they've they been consistently quite good since, apart from the Hawthorne loss. Which I mean, maybe we're getting to the point where Hawthorne actually aren't that bad, and they've now pulled off two. But what's what's but, changed for Sydney from the team that was uh, that was favourites going into the grand final last year? Not not all that much. I think early in the last year they had absolute star performances. But we, we that's the thing. We know they've got the ingredients there to be a very very successful side, potentially go all the way. But what? What's changed for them? Why are they all of a sudden gone from a top four grand final side to uh, who were very consistent, consistently consistently performing well? I, I, I believe that they have too strong a reliance on their best players. And last year they just they all played so well. And then early in the year they were a little bit out of form, a little bit inconsistent. And then as a result they had to rely on their younger players, which are always going to be inconsistent yeah, results. That's, true. That's my opinion on them. And they're starting to get those better performances out of those stars more consistently. I, the last couple of weeks, 
we haven't seen Kennedy and Hanbury completely sort of dominate the game. Um, I, I, we've seen some of their kids improve and do better, but I still think that we're going to see those their loss to Hawthorne-like performances. And that's why I, like, I've said they're not going to make the eight, which seems to be a pretty bold call now. That's going to be my next question. Do they make the eight? <laughs> they're actually almost there now. I, think, I keep forgetting the fact that the season's as close as it is. I keep making these calls thinking, ah, <laughs> oh, they're sort of too far back in the season. And I'm like, hold on a second. There's only a game out of the eight. There's only one team that you'd say is absolutely too far back to be a chance, and that's Brisbane. Brisbane yeah. Oh, Carlton won't make it. <laughs> sure. And make the eight. But, I mean, you, from the position they are, anyone could make the eight pretty much at this stage. It's, it's so hard to pick. If Sydney had lost this game, I'd say absolutely over. They managed to snatch it. They, I would. I would tend to agree with you. Having having won it, I'm of the opinion that they will make the eight. I think that they've got they've okay. got enough talent there. I think that they've they've. I, I, I think we'll see them just sneak into the eight. Yeah. Okay. I, I've made the call, and I'm going to keep running with it. I'm okay. being a little bit stubborn. I don't think they'll make the eight, and I think they'll be too inconsistent to make it. I think we have to give a little bit of. We need to talk a little bit about that last passage of play. Like that was. <laughs> No, like, I'd love to talk about yeah, it. No, I know we're all, all day. No, I know we're all laughing at Goddard, but outside of that, there were three brilliant individual efforts from Sydney to do that. Papley smothered it out. Then the effort from Rampy to get around and throw it on the boot was incredible. And then Rowan taking a one-handed mark on the line. That's that's pretty awesome. Like that is a well, really no, exciting right. passage of play. You're not wrong, but um, you want a bad Goddard. <laughs> it was. It was pretty funny. I, I, I suppose it's funny because it's Goddard. That that's, that stuff happens in games of footy. It was just magnifying. You expect you'd expect a player of Goddard's experience. I mean, all yeah. all he had to do, and he surely would have known. There surely there would have been someone out there to tell him how long was left, and all he had to do was kick it up the line. He didn't have to run with it. He gave yeah, Sydney yeah. the glimmer of an opportunity that they needed, and they took it to their credit. Yeah, the thing is, I. I I love a smother, and I always try to give the credit to the smother, but like it's always... If you get smothered, it is always the kicker's fault to some extent. And that was... Uh, to some extent, yeah. That. I mean, he, he, he didn't have to put himself in that position, and he did. And it's, as I've said, it's the, it's the sort of mistake you'd expect, and you would forgive in an inexperienced player, but in someone of Goddard's experience, mm-hmm. he's one of the most experienced in players in the comp. That late in the game, all he had to do was just kick it out of the square, and he didn't. I think he, I think he deserves what he... What he <laughs> To an extent, what he's getting, although some of the commentary from Essendon supporters has been pretty hilarious. If he, if he was a likable bloke, I don't think he'd be copying yeah. as much as he has. Well, imagine the spray he'd give to someone else if they did that. That is a good point. That is a good point. But uh, no, I'm happy about this result because I don't like Essendon, even though I'm starting to get worried about him. Anyway, moving on. Uh, time for you to chat you a little to. bit. Port Adelaide defeated Collingwood by 31 points. I really rate Port Adelaide, okay. and I like. I'm very happy to give this as another tick to them because I'm I'm really backing them in to, to go deep. Uh, are you going with the grumpy Collingwood supporter? We were terrible, or are you giving credit to Port? Um, I don't think Collingwood were necessarily terrible. They weren't yeah. good. Um, they were just outplayed by a better side. I, I got to say, before coming into this game, I didn't. I was very much of the view that Port Adelaide were pretenders, flat track bullies. Um, I still, I don't, uh, haven't completely gone away from that opinion. I don't think that they're nearly as good as they, uh, as sort of their their record suggests. Um, I think their record's been, I reckon they've been better than their record. You reckon they've been better than their record? I think they've they've lost some unlucky games. There were a lot of close games against good teams, which they lost early on, and they fell sort of behind the ball a little bit. 
Um, outside of the Essendon game, I think they played really, really good footy all year. They, they look. They, there is one question mark. They do need to get that big scalp against a good side. They haven't got that yet, and until that happens, you can't completely stamp them as a premiership contender. They're, but, they're still the only side that hasn't beaten a top eight side. That, yeah, I know that is true, but they, they only just lost to Adelaide. They only just lost to GWS early in the year. They still lost. Yeah, I know, I know, which shows they're a little bit below those two teams, which I think is true. But I think they're the third or fourth best team. Well, I honestly think, do. You, you just said you think they're going to go a long way. How can they go a long way if they keep losing those games? I think they'll find a way to win. I, I think they play a final-style footy, and I, I think in finals it'll stand up. And I just... Their best footy is awesome, and if they can bring that against the best teams, they'll win. And so far, I think circumstances are going against them. Oh, I'm yet to be convinced, but um, I, I don't think um, uh, that Saturday's performance has done much to, to convince me. Um, they were clearly better side than Collingwood, um, but having said that... they have been playing some okay footy. Recently. They have, and in, in the last... But having said that, Collingwood have also this year shown some pretty terrible footy, as have yeah. a lot of teams. But you said this week wasn't a terrible week from them. Um, I don't think I, I also oh, right, said it okay. wasn't a good week. Yeah. Um, if they if they played the way that they played against uh, or against maybe Melbourne or, or you know in, in a couple of weeks before that, uh, I think it would have been a closer game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think this might be actually Collingwood's biggest margin of the year um, in terms of a loss. Um, so um, from that perspective, I suppose there's not much more Port Adelaide could have done, um, but. I mean, it's just sort of the way that I think a lot of people would have expected that game to go, to be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree with you, but you know, I think beating I think Colin would have been playing some pretty reasonable footy, and I think beating them by five goals in Melbourne, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good win. But in terms, but in terms of Port Adelaide's position, I don't know what you can take out of that game, to be honest. I just think it's another another tick. It's just I think, and I think they have enough. Of well, I mean, they did what they had to. It's another tick, but I, I don't think that you can say from that game you can say either that they're better or worse than, than anyone than anyone thought they were. Yeah, you're probably right. But they they do need to get the big scalp. But I I think they're a good side. I think you can only you can only play against who you put up yeah. against, and and they did what they had to, and they, they did it comfortably. Yeah, um, I'm. The thing which I love about Port Adelaide, and it always excites me, look, they play a risky style, they play a high press, but they're like, they're half-backs. Uh, like, when they're playing well, they, are, they create so much play, they're so exciting, that's why they're such an attacking team. Yeah. Guys, I really, really like Hartlett. He's an inconsistent footballer, that's frustrated me for a long time. But he has a beautiful long boot, he's good in the contest, he's a smart footballer. If he can be consistent, he could be an absolute star. Um, he played well, he's had a few good games this year, which I looked at and thought, yeah, Hartlett's back. Uh, Pittard's a dangerous, again, inconsistent footballer. That's why they have these occasional... Yeah, thanks. But I, I don't know. Their their half back line it excites me. Well, their back line generally is is, I mean, I think they've got the best record in the comp at this point in terms of they uh, do. But they've just flogged teams. Like that's why I don't think I think they have some defensive question marks, but they have an attacking defense, and that's what that's yeah, what true. I think is exciting. They have a very modern defense. All of their, but I think you told Homsch is kind of a one on one sort of. Man on man defender, but then guys like Clurie and Jonas and yeah, Hartlett and Pittard—they're just guys who just float around, come across and then try to set up play. Which is look, it can it can be dangerous and it can make it so they yeah a lot of scores are kicked against them, but it can also create some pretty exciting footy. So yeah. I like Port. Um, Want to cry any more about Collingwood? Or? Uh, cry any more about Collingwood? Yeah. 
What's there to cry about? Yeah, we yeah. Uh, we lost a game. Happens. Yeah, you're not going to make finals either. So. Um, <laughs> That's another one we can. I'm off, still, still, I'm not willing to. I've got the pen ready, but uh, not willing to. <laughs> you're a bit stiff against us. You were very stiff. I mean, you want to talk about? I'm that, happy with the win. I'm happy with the win, but no, no, we're not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm happy to move on. Uh, now we start the greatest night in football history. Uh, I don't remember ever being so excited ever. Bulldogs defeated North by one point. I mean, what makes this better? Rory hates the Bulldogs so much. He's made all these big calls that the Bulldogs are no good. He's (laughs) discussing them, not making the eight, all this stuff. And it was a one-point pull game. Oh, that's so good. Yeah, and the only team, I think, this week that actually had a team come at them and... Oh, I suppose Adelaide, but... uh, Oh, no, sorry, they didn't. No, no, no. They had a team come at them and... um, Managed to just keep their lead. Yeah, yeah. Rory says they're robbed. Uh, North Melbourne are robbed. Uh, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest that he said that. Uh, um, do you have any indication of that in your mind? Well, to be honest, I didn't see the first half, but um, which is where apparently the, uh, the sort of more contentious decisions were. I mean, if you look at the free kick differential at half time, it was pretty staggering. I think it was about 14 to 4 or something, which is, I mean... It, it's hard to say if you haven't seen it, yeah, but that, that it's hard to sort of believe yeah. that that's how uneven it, it actually was. Yeah. But having said that, um, they lost. And <laughs> <laughs> Doggy's had a good run with the umpires <laughs> last year. I think this year, there's been a few games I've watched which I've thought, like, they're, it's that things are actually going against them more than other teams. Oh, really? Well, there's reports. I'm, uh, I've read somewhere yeah. that, that several teams have complained about uh, how, how good they're getting it. They duck their heads. They do. And I think, mm. I think they duck their heads more than most teams. Mm. And I think people also get frustrated about how good they are with their hands because they think they're throws. Well, that's, 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 that's part of the problem, isn't it? I mean, if, if you're going to sort of, if you're a team like that that's going to be winning so much ball, then you're going to get those frees. If you've got that much, you know, if you've got, yep. if you've got that much sort of uh, speed through your midfield, you're going to get freeze. Yeah, I, I think they duck their head more than other teams, but I also think that I, I don't think they get more f- favourable free kicks their way for doing so. Like they just do it more often. And I, I've watched some like, bulldogs things. I think that's definitely a free kick to them. And there's been a little. I reckon there's been a little bit of. Oh, we give them a lot of free kicks. We're ducking their head. Let's keep an eye on them. Like, yeah, they do do it more often, but that doesn't mean that the umpires are being more favourable. Oh, I, I certainly think, to a large extent, it's just a product of the way they play the game, and it's just, yeah, it's just that's just, uh, you know, it, it, there's nothing sort of uh, favourable in terms of the treatment they get. It's just the way that they play. It, it generates more free mm-hmm. kicks, and we can't hold that against them. And yeah, every, and everyone, everyone gets them. So like, I like. Yeah, I can don't we, can we talk about, about like, the fact that North Melbourne lost rather than the free kicks? We can. I mean, North <laughs> they've been pretty stiff for a lot of this year. I'll be honest with you. They've had a lot of close games they have, and yeah. they just lost a lot of them. And I couldn't enjoy it anymore. It just makes me so happy. And they're sitting. <laughs> what are they second last now? Because uh, Dawthorne won. I think they might. They be, must yeah. be. Yeah. Either way, I don't, they're it's not bloody the, I don't think they're the second worst team in the conference. No, they're not. But having said that, they're not. But they're not, they're not, they're not a great side. Anyway. But like, oh god, that's funny. It just makes me very, very happy, and it makes me happy that Rory's not here to cry about it. So uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind listening to a bit of his whinging. Yeah, it's true. I suppose. Uh, it actually, we actually would be quite good to have him on this week. <laughs> Moving on, let's talk about it. The biggest result of the round. D's defeated West Coast by three points. Mate, this is like 
a seriously, seriously good win. What a thrilling match. It I mean, was a thrilling match. It was oh, it just... Uh, we were, so we... we uh, I watched this sort of at the uh, the pub with about 200 Melbourne supporters. Sounds like a great night. Continue. <laughs> I, I reckon there was more passion in that pub than there would have been at the game. It was it was pretty unbelievable. But the, just the way that that last so quarter went... Supporters. was uh, It was... I mean, you couldn't have uh, read a better, written a better script for the uh, the supporters that were there. It was, it had it all, mate. I am like, I am so happy about this win for the reason that it felt like, it felt like such an impossible game to win to me. Like, I all year we have relied on the fact that our midfield have been dominant. They weren't. The game was not played on our terms. It was played against us the entire game. I, our backline the last two weeks have gone to an entirely new level. Not our backline so much, our defence. The way we have set up has been completely different. And on the, the wide grounds of uh, Subiaca or Patterson Stadium, whatever it's called now, um, West Coast have found it so easy to pick way through team zones. I think teams have really struggled to set up on those big grounds. And we set up so well. We worried them all night. And that, although the game wasn't played on our terms, that enabled us to stay in the game the entire time. But then I still thought going into the last quarter, we're coming off two six-day breaks in Perth, on a big ground. West Coast looked like they were just sort of outrunning us. They just looked like they had a little bit little bit of extra in the legs. For us to turn that around and get that adrenaline right at the end, my God, that's good. And Tommy Mack, how good was Team that goal? That's an incredible goal. It was, yeah. This, the uh, the strength that you need to be able to pull that off was... Uh, and oh, to, to actually... Uh, creativity as well. The creativity, but don't underestimate how much skill it actually takes to be able to control that kick. He wasn't far out, but to be actually able to control that kick yep. and get it the direction that you need it to Absolutely. go in, in the position that he was in, is it, it's pretty incredible. It was it was it, a bit of a miracle goal, really. It was incredible. It was, yeah. It was, uh, it was pretty special. In some ways, I'm a little upset that he's playing so well forward. I, I, he is a defender to me. Well, he's not playing so well forward. He played one really good game forward. I think he's looked a little bit lost outside of that. And I've been very impressed with him that he's like trying his best to contribute, and he actually has made a difference on a team without Hogan. But there's no doubt we're better off having Hogan in there and having Tom McDonald back again. He just gives he's he's an inconsistent footballer, but he gives us some leadership. And Oscar McDonald has been unbelievable the last two weeks. Come from the cloud, like he's one yeah. of the worst footballers I've ever seen. <laughs> His last two weeks have been awesome. Frost has gone to a new level. But they're both very unreliable footballers. And I feel like having the experience of Tom McDonald back there would make a big difference to us. You're right. But it's, in many ways, it's um, very encouraging from a Melbourne point of view. And it's something that you see in really elite teams that, that I would be, if I was a Melbourne supporter, I'd be bloody stoked and very excited about this. It's something you see in elite teams where they can actually adjust. You know, losing Hogan last few years for Melbourne would have absolutely crippled him in a and, way that... And gone, obviously. Not and gone, speak. yeah. But it, it, it just, it, you know, it's... It, uh, the way that they've been able to adjust and, and they've got that depth now to actually fill those spots and it doesn't affect them too greatly. And you can bring in players. They're not like-for-like replacements, but they can actually play the role that they're, they've been brought into the team to play and, and fill that spot to a very, uh, to a very good extent in a way that uh, this is the sort of thing you see in elite teams and it's the sort of thing you need to be able to, to, be, to go a long way in your season. And it's something I'd be very encouraged about if I was a Melbourne supporter. For us to be sitting fifth 
with the sort of adversity we've had this season. Like, exactly right. That, that, it's incredible, really. Like, I'm blown away. I'm, I'm trying very hard not to get carried away. Like, it, it's an effort, but I'm not getting carried away. I do not see us as premiership contenders. I don't either, but I'm still, I see I'm you still as just hoping we'll make the premiership <laughs> contenders in the very near future. And I'm, I'm pleased to hear you say that because some of the uh, conversations I was overhearing after the game on Saturday night were. Uh, uh, like, I know. The, uh, the littered, I can say the lid had come off a little bit when we were talking about how uh, well, we can conceivably go all the way this year. It's, it's not just Melbourne supporters saying it. It's actually upsetting me a little bit. I, I, I hate it. I, I actually hate that whole. In terms of the lid, I'm at the stage now where I'm just happy to think that a lid exists. Like, whether it's on or off, I don't care. But the fact that we actually talk about it... It's, it's been a tough run. Is, it's, is exciting. Like, it's I'm, been I'm a tough year. About that. I, I no, can't remember last I'm excited for excited. Melbourne supporters. I think, I think it's great to I think, see. I think uh, most that, people uh, A lot of the, 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 the hard work that you guys have been through is, uh, is finally uh, reaping some rewards. Oh, mate. I'm, I'm bloody excited. But, yeah, not getting carried away. Um, yeah, anything much to say about West Coast? I mean, I... I they were frust- they're a bloody frustrating team for me. They probably deserve to win this game at home. It looked like the structures were in place. They had the game on their terms. This is the game which they'd normally win. It was an inspired effort for us to get over the line. They were probably a bit unlucky. But um, yeah, I think it's a bit worrying for West Coast if they, they can't win games at home. And it's a, I mean, they need to win those games. They're the sort of games that West Coast need to win given their, their exactly. record away from Sibiaco. Yeah, it's season. Um, it's, it's, it'd be, they'd be very disappointed with that result. And understandably, because yeah. it's 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 uh, it's the sort of game they need to win. Can we just quickly say how awesome is Jack Viney? <laughs> he, that, that was, was a that was pretty bloody good effort. That was one of the better individual guys I've seen. That's incredible. Yeah, yeah, I was paying pretty close attention to him because I got him on my fantasy team, and <laughs> it was a good week to have him. <laughs> he was off for like ten or fifteen minutes with his shoulder busted, and he came on and had like fourteen in the last quarter. Or something. Yeah, it was it was incredible. It was a great effort. That's an unbelievable. And he's, he hasn't had that good a year, in all honesty. But he's had a couple of games out of the box. Uh, his last his last month or so, I think, has he's he's started to uh, to improve. He is building. He's building. He's, he's building. For, he's building for the right time of the year, mate. And we, we need him because we have a couple of midfield injuries at the moment. Sail him out as well, but yeah. ah, it's good stuff. Anyway, moving on. Geelong defeated Frio by two points. I was bloody gutted by this result. Outside of the fact I love Frio, Geelong lose Melbourne are in the four. Um, I was quite passionately supporting Freo and yeah. they win bit a bit of a Richmond in the end probably. Um, I think I, I, I'm a bit the same. I think that. Um, Geelong, uh, I don't rate them. I, I think that they are... You don't rate them? I think they are the definition of pretenders. I think that... Who do you rate? Outside of that top two, GWS Adelaide. Who do I rate? Yeah. Who would you have next? You said no Port Adelaide, no Geelong. It's a tough question. It um, is a tough question, I know. <laughs> um, I, 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 in terms of teams I rate, um, and this is not necessarily who I would put necessarily just under those teams, but teams mm-hmm. I think are perhaps a little underrated. I think Melbourne at this stage, I think the uh, the Bulldogs are copying more criticism than they deserve. I agree with that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's about it. Sydney okay. as well. Sydney as well are better than they, than they uh, have been given credit for this year. Okay, look, I, I agree you along. I just think, I think certain teams this year, I should rephrase, I think certain teams this year are getting more credit than they deserve. I think Geelong's one of those teams. Yeah, look, I, look, I generally agree with you. I, I think early on in the year they won a lot of games where they weren't playing that well and got themselves into a good position. They then had a really, really bad run and was starting to really look like pretenders and then they managed to pull off a couple of 
really a few really special wins at home. Yeah. And then they've probably gone back to being, oh, is, I don't know. This is, no, no, what I will say about this is this is a great win, given that they lost Selwood Sel- in the yeah, opening obviously. few minutes, yeah. who is, they're, I would say their most important player. I'd say he's more important than Dangerfield. In terms of the, yeah, okay. not only the skill he brings, but the on-field leadership yeah. that he provides. You know, Geelong fans like to say he's the best captain in the AFL. It's tough to argue with it, yeah. as much as I actually dislike him. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I try not to be the dislike pile when it comes to Selwood. I don't like him. I, 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 I do. Him I do respect. I don't like him, but I do respect yeah. him. I, I, I think that uh, losing him that early is uh, is probably the worst thing that could have happened to Geelong, and the fact that they still managed to overcome a, uh, a not insignificant deficit and, and to take that game. I think that that's probably their best win of the year. Yeah, that look that is not. I mean, they did beat Freo at home. Like, you can't give them too big a thing. But that is a big thing. They at home, sad. but given the position that they were in in yeah, that yeah, game. Yeah. And they lost, they did lose, I think, did they, did they have two or three players out for the game? Um, yeah. Including some. It, is, it so. is a very, very impressive win. It's pretty, it's pretty gutsy, but I, I still don't rate it. Yeah. It's no, free now. I, 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 you I should agree be winning that you. game in Geelong. If you're, if you're Geelong, you expect to win that yes, game. Yes, you should. Um, and uh, they shouldn't have been in a position where they, where they had to overcome that deficit. And credit to them for doing it, but uh, I still don't think that they uh, they've got what it takes to, uh, to to win those really tough games come finals. Yeah, I'm, I'm starting to settle on. I think we have a clear top two: GWS Adelaide. Then I actually think Port Adelaide are the third best team, just over Geelong. And then I'm going with uh, the Bulldogs would be the next most likely to win a premiership for the reason I can still see them clicking at one point. Yeah, and then probably Melbourne. Well, that's I, I don't disagree with. That. I think the Bulldogs, if they uh, if they sort themselves out and if they uh, if they play to the be- their, their best football is pretty scary for anyone in the comp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think yeah, Geelong still have a bit of convincing to do. I think. A little bit, but you know, good on them for getting that win, and that's really important. And look, they're looking like they'll probably finish top four. They, they, they probably will, but I just don't think that. Uh, and don't underestimate the advantage they have in being able to play those home games at Geelong, um, and still. Yeah, I mean, they should get home games. They no, no, no. I'm, I, I, they absolutely should, but uh, it, it's different to uh, it's different to say an interstate club who are having to fly every second week. Yeah, you can true. play home games at Geelong. And then play your away games in Melbourne, where you don't have that trip, you don't have the, uh, you know, everything that comes with that. I think that that's a, that's a pretty significant advantage. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. Uh, moving on, let's have a bit of fun now. Right. We're going to have a bit of fun. We, there was too much serious talk, too much crap over there. Uh, we're getting into Stringer's Innovations, which is your segment. How many uh, times have you come in now? About five or six times? Five or six times. And I think it's good to see the AFL getting on board with the whole innovations <laughs> idea. Uh, which one did they get on board with? Well, they've come up with one of their own, AFLX. What's this? They're just, just innovating in general is what they're getting on board Mate, with. Mate, if, I, if I had come to you with the idea of AFLX the way the AFL have presented it, you would have laughed me out of the room. <laughs> That's actually so true. Pretty much the entire point of this segment is you come to us with ideas of innovating for the game and then we laugh in your face. If you brought that, we would have said, this is a really good one to laugh in your face. <laughs> Which shows that, yeah, there are probably a few little issues with it. No, I'm but anyway, AFLX. Anyway. Anyway, what innovation <laughs> are you giving us? Train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> I'll watch it. I'll, watch I'll it. definitely watch it. You expect it to be terrible. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, look, it's, it's not going to work. 
but like, <laughs> good on him for good yeah, on him for trying yeah. and getting into the spirit of innovating. It's what have, we want to see. Have a crack at it. Exactly. Yeah, right. We all love innovations. What have you got for us? So in the past, what you've given us rule changes and changes to the media is you, know, you suggested yeah. having a helmet. Helmet cam was one of the uh, one of the ideas. Yeah, you had coaching innovations. Yeah. Did you have first one ever? Tactical was, innovations was probably your best one, which is the was the tap, tap forward. forward. Yeah, tap you forward. just have. <laughs> talls and midgets where you just kick it into the talls and they tap it to ground level for the midgets to run onto it and kick a goal yeah it's, it's, uh, it's pretty much Ruckman in the forward line tapping down the small balls while we're on the topic can I give a um, shout out and a thank you to Poochie who messages me every day after I've given an innovation telling me I'm a genius <laughs> every single innovation I receive the exact same message Stringer is a genius <laughs> anyway. it's great it's great to, uh, to to have the support of the fans out there but uh, this what week we've got, got we've got one that is uh, it doesn't really uh, it, it's a new one. It's it's one for the players. It's a tactic that the players can employ themselves. Okay. So, um, look, we know there's been a few issues this year with the uh, the countdown clock. Uh, most uh, famously, the uh, the Charlie Dixon incident. Yep, yep. Um, did you? I don't know if you covered that on the show. I don't actually listen. But, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Yes, we, we did have a discussion about it. It did come up. Okay. Well. I was just uh, I was watching watching a game a couple of weeks ago, and uh, the, the thought came into my mind. And we, we've seen in the past players they they now don't have the countdown clock on the screen in the last um, the last two minutes of the quarter, I think, because uh, players were using it to waste time. Yep, yep. But I don't think players were using it to waste time as well as they could. <laughs> and I think <laughs> okay. I think I think I've identified a way that, that the players can really waste some time using this. And in a close game, the countdown clock can be their absolute uh, absolute best friend. So this is a cheating innovation. You call it cheating. On. I call it a creative interpretation of the rules. Loopholing. 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 That's okay. right. Okay. That's right. I think I've identified a pretty sizable loophole. So we don't. <laughs> Picture the scenario, it's a close game, there's maybe three minutes left in the game, so you've still got the benefit of the countdown clock, alright, but your your team is up by five, six, seven points, alright, so you do want to waste some time, you want to get that game over and done with. Now I've noticed that the countdown clock only, the countdown clock doesn't stop when the player kicks the ball. The countdown clock stops when the player starts their approach. They have 30 seconds to start their approach. They start their approach. That doesn't matter how long your approach is. The yeah, clock, ben Brown takes about ten years. Yeah, yeah. The, the the game clock's still running, but the countdown clock's gone away. Yeah. Well, what's stopping you from uh, making your run in five minutes? <laughs> <laughs> if there's three minutes left in the game, what's stopping you from using up two of those minutes on your run in? So what are you gonna do? Just walk incredibly slowly for for five minutes on your approach? Well, that? yeah, I think that as soon as you mark that ball, you need to get as far back as you can. <laughs> I want to see a player take an 100 metre runner, and not only that, but I want to see the Josh uh, Josh Kennedy stutter the entire way. <laughs> okay, so you're suggesting Josh Kennedy takes a mark in the last minute of the grand final? Oh no, sorry, with five minutes left in the grand final, takes a mark 10 metres out, yeah. turns around, sprints to the other end of the ground in 30 seconds. I mean, and then starts his approach for five minutes until. It's I'm not sure if sprinting would work. You'd have to make it clear that you're not playing on. <laughs> How far like, back can you walk in 30 seconds, though? you got to bloody belt back, right? Uh, and then just stutter for five minutes. <laughs> pretty much. I mean, I just think that there's a way that the players could be using this smarter. <laughs> I, think, I think it's... 
It's it's something that uh, I think I'll be honest. I think it's something that would only work once. I think the rule would be changed overnight. <laughs> it would be changed within three seconds of the siren blowing. If that happened in a final, we would have the footy equivalent of the underarm incident in cricket. You like, would. Th- it would be you would be the most hated person in Australia. But tell me, it wouldn't that. work. Is it the way? Provided the you don't run off your line. There is no reason why you can't sprint back there, as far as you possibly can in a straight line and some, wait for the clock. To there are out. some players out there that have some pretty long and pretty interesting run-ups. Saad had a massive one for a while. Not yeah. the Gold Coast one. The yeah, old, yeah, yeah. yeah no, killed the one he used one. to walk in for forever. I just think... I, I think... <laughs> I think that it's uh, it's something that the players could use, especially in a, uh, a close, tight, important game. Mate, I'm waiting for grand final day. If that happens... Do you have a name for it? I didn't come up with a name. Uh, blatant cheating. Oh, <laughs> okay, cool. okay, we'll call it blatant slash, cheating. Slash loop bowling. <laughs> anyway, that's your innovation. Moving on, we're doing something a bit different for the top five this week. Uh, you had one which you desperately, desperately wanted to do. So you're going to do a top five is, quickly, yep. and then I'm going to do my own top five quickly. So. Yep. The one which you've decided to come with us with is footy podcasts, which are better than this one. Yeah, and um, <laughs> uh, this is just the, to make Rory really, really this happy is, that you're coming perfect, on and slandering. It's his, the perfect opportunity. I wanted, love. I have wanted to do this on this show since <laughs> week one, and Rory would not let me do I it. I even said, Rory, that you're not here, but uh, <laughs> so this is the week we're going to do it. All right, what's the fifth in your top five footy podcasts, which are better than Plebs on Footy? Okay, well. Uh, we've got <laughs> Gary, Tim and Hamish uh, Pretty self-explanatory Put your name in the podcast So nobody can possibly mistake uh, What the podcast is about <laughs> um, they're, they're not talking about antiques These are three uh, three prominent footy uh, media personalities Gary, Tim Watson, Hamish McLaughlin Talking about footy I mate, assume Mate, Hamish McLaughlin does not say a word On Gary, Tim and Hamish Like He comes back from an ad And he goes well, thanks for joining us and Gary, Tim and Hamish. Um, now just talk about footy, guys. And then Gary and Tim talk about footy for about 15 minutes yep. and then they go to an ad. That, that is all he does. I think that's good. <laughs> it's better than listening to would Rory you, talk, let's be honest. Would you, hang on, would you, out of Gary, Tim and Hamish, who would you want to be hearing your, uh, your opinions from? In which order would you, would you rate those opinions? Oh, Ga- Gary would be number one by a long, long way. I think Gary's actually really good. and I, I like, think Gary's fantastic. I actually like didn't realise how good he was until he left. And I think he's better now that he's actually in a serious sort of yeah. scenario. It's yeah. not just banter now. Oh, like, he's actually really, agree. really smart. And he's still kind of funny. Like He's got like a dry sort of humour when he needs it. But he, 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 He's got a fantastic footy brain. Yeah, Tim struggles a little bit. Hamish is bloody terrible. Yeah. But I still kind of enjoy listening to it. Anyway, what have you got at number four? Uh, so, uh, yeah, the Triple M, uh, every, every weekend, the, uh, before the footy, they'll do a couple of hours of, uh, footy chat. The Rub, they call it. And so we got the Rub Catch-Up Podcast, which is just basically them. Uh, it's just basically what they have on the radio every week. Um, if, if, if you haven't got enough BT from the, uh, from the Channel 7 footy coverage, they, You always uh, need more BT. You always need more. Actually, there's a fantastic segment they've been doing this year, BT's Vault. I haven't uh, actually, I've heard good things. Oh, it, it is. I'm a bit, I'm I a would, bit annoyed with Triple M. Like, I'm just sick of everyone. I hate Chris Jarden. Bloody Howie's yeah, thing. Yeah. So I'm kind of moving on from Triple M a little bit. I, I, I agree in terms of the, uh, the actual game coverage, but I think they're, uh... The Saturday Rub's still good. The rub's still good, okay. and uh, BT's Vault, I can assure you, I encourage everyone to go out and listen to it, because it is absolutely fantastic. There are some brilliant moments from, uh, from BT's history. Competing with Roman, Roman Brian for the best segment in footy. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> it's all about BT. Number three. 
Titus and Sergio's Variety Hour. This isn't just football, it's sport in general. Uh, Titus O'Reilly, people would know, is a, a, he's pretty, pretty prominent on Facebook and Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. he's, a, he's a pretty funny bloke. and uh, you love your Titus? I do love my Titus. I love, I love anything that can combine uh, sport and comedy, and uh, I think Titus does it brilliantly. I'm not sure he's funnier than Rory O'Kane, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a Melbourne fan, so you get around that. Yeah, yeah, I do get around that. I quite like him. Number two. Two guys, one cup. I didn't know this was a name for a podcast. It's a bit, <laughs> bit interesting. Uh, yeah, well, this is another comedy one. It's um, it's it's Will Anderson. Uh, he's the brains behind this one. Um, I listened to a lot of this one last year when I was uh, when I was out in the country. I was on long drives and needed something to listen to, and this was this was perfect. Um, it's uh, just basically a couple of guys having a good old laugh about footy. It's similar to uh, it sounds, sounds similar to similar to plebs on foot. Fo- Plebs on footy, but uh, as this segment uh, is, better. <laughs> what you going to say, but actually good. Anyway, number one. Um, well, the uh, this is one I've listened to a lot this year. I think it's a new one this year, and it's actually, I will say that this is fantastic, and it might be my bias as a Collingwood supporter, but Jock, the Jock and Journo podcast with Jay Clark and Scott Pendlebury, I've, I've is been... Is Pendles on every week? He's on every week. It's his podcast. Oh, okay. It, it is absolutely fantastic. I, I would, I cannot recommend this highly enough. If you want sort of insights from a uh, somebody who's been in the AFL system for a while, and, and but not, not he doesn't just sort of give the same old uh, recycled stuff that everyone else gives, and in the yeah. short sort of media snippet to hear... Um, it's they, they actually have a proper conversation about just life generally. He gives uh, a bit of background about uh, yeah, you hear a bit of the behind the scenes stuff from the foot, from the footy club, um, but also about his life in general. And, and it, it's really really interesting to hear that sort of perspective uh, from a player. I, I, I can't actually recommend this highly enough. And I think it'll be it'll appeal to to most uh, most footy fans, not just Collingwood supporters. I think it's fantastic. That's all well and good, but do they have a segment which rivals Gold Jacket Green Jacket in um, terms of quality? I'll tell you what, I, I, I do listen to Gold Jacket, Green Jacket every week. How because, could it? Yeah. Because it's at the start of the podcast. And, and because it's fantastic. Yeah. It's before I've decided. And I've because it's enough. the best the best segment. <laughs> I don't your best, you really think your so best segment. So I always segment, hook you in well. <laughs> you think your best segment the game is the games from the week, which would crap. One of the segments is run by me. One of them is run by Rory. Which one do you think is better? <laughs> yeah, you do make it compelling. Up. And Stringer's Innovations is a pretty good one as well. So, I mean, I get what you're saying with all of that, but yeah. uh, I think Plebs on Footy probably knocks them all off, in all honesty. All right. But anyway, I'm doing my one quickly. BT commentary moments. Yeah. My favourite BT commentary this moments. Is, this, I mean, is, this is exciting. There are too many of them. There are way there too are, many of them. I wanted to do these forever. But number five, we've got... It can't be! It can't be! It is. It can't be! Oh, BT. We do love BT. <laughs> oh, BT. Number four, we've got... That is the biggest bender I have ever seen. Oh, Pretty. Yeah, no, it's... it's. Yep, they're all good. They're all good. Number three. Uh, this is probably the most absurd one I've heard. <laughs> there is a missed shot on goal. Chris Scott goes, oh, no... Oh, no, 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 no. He spends about a minute saying no when he no. should be commentating footy. Well, he, he does a lot of stuff when he should be commentating footy, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, that was out of bounds. <laughs> I think the funniest thing about this one is the fact that <laughs> every other commentator was talking about that an enormous goal was kicked and an important part. It was in a final, wasn't it? I think so. I think so. it was in a final. An enormous goal was kicked at an important time, tied in a game, a great goal. Every other commentator was talking about how fantastic the goal was, how big a moment it was. 
BT just said that's out of bounds for a bad. Oh, moment. it it is <laughs> it is one of the greatest moments in Australian television history, and I'm actually <laughs> I'm excited to see what your number one is because that would have been my top. I one don't before. think you can deny number one. This was absurd. I think I've got an idea of what it might be. Wellingham. I mean, he, he sounded like he was having a seat. <laughs> he did, and, <laughs> and the best BT. And uh, to hear it uh, recreated uh, a couple of weeks ago on Roaming Brian yeah, that was, was also fantastic. was also fantastic. He was a bit embarrassed about it but it was uh it was, it was pretty classic <laughs> it was just a guy who just had no idea what to say so just said wellingham in the strangest way he possibly could we do love bt i mean i i hate him he's terrible but i love him he makes the footy season more enjoyable anyway moving on we've got banjo's mailbag i mean normally it's poochie's mailbag we're calling a banjo's mailbag whilst he's away just to make him feel important because he's obviously not, because the podcast has been better without him. It's been fantastic. We actually do have some questions from him this week, and I'm bloody not happy about him. The first one, should Jack Viney be suspended for a month for the hit he put on Hearn, and is he now classified as a thug in Scott's mind, or do those rules only apply to Zeeble? I, I bloody hate Banjo. I, mean, I have a couple of ways that I can argue against what he's implying here. Um, I mean, you could use the uh, the match review panel's justification, which I think was completely fair enough. Yeah, so the thing, look, it was very, very, very clear that the ball was there and he was just jumping at the ball and he happened to hit someone on the head on the way through. The, the argument which Rory will try to make is that there was one incident in which Zeeble did something similar. My first argument against that is that he's done numerous incidents like that where he just he, yeah. play, he clearly plays the man a yeah. lot more than he plays the ball, which I think Viney, although he's bloody hard at it he's always playing the ball I don't think I've seen an instant I, I, I'm actually very big on this I, I, it, it annoys me so much when you see a player get punished for going after the ball yeah. in any now, context this was so obvious Viney was just jumping at the ball and the, and the other thing the, the incident itself which Rory's talking about which it, in some ways it was similar but it's quite clear that Zeeble went up to get the ball and then you can see a moment where he decides I'm going to bloody whack this guy in the head yeah. it was very very yeah. clear Viney didn't Zeeble is an absolute yeah. thug Next question I'm from Ben. I'm not going to disagree with you in a Jack Viney, uh, what's Jack, um, Jack Zabel dispute. Yeah, he's a flog, isn't he? Zabel? Yeah. yeah. yeah he's, he's, <laughs> bloody, he's a little kid who just tries to bloody hit people to make him, look, yeah. make him feel like he's bigger than yeah. he is. And question number two from Banjo. Is Oliver's dive the worst in AFL history in brackets? Yes, it is. <laughs> and how can Schofield possibly get weeks for that? God, I hate you, Banjo. Um... I honestly didn't think that much of it at the time. And I, I, I know I'm biased, but I actually don't think I even am in this situation. When Bernie got whacked in the gut um, against uh, North Melbourne, I actually thought, gee, Bernie, you made a bit of a dive there. That's not great. Yeah. It turns out he possibly did get hit pretty bad, and people yeah. kind of accepted that that was fine. Clayton, was he, he was hit on the jaw. It wasn't a massive hit, no. But you, you're having a push and shove, and he was walking past, and you feel someone whack you on the jaw. You go to ground. That's your initial yeah. reaction, and then you, you jump back up. He's... He's not a soft footballer. I'm, I'm defending him 100%. I think, I think a big deal was made of this because Schofield was reported at the time. I don't think it would have been an issue at all if he wasn't. Um, and I think uh, I was listening to Paul Roos uh, the other day talking about this, and I think he made a good point, which is that um, a lot of the time, if, you, you know, if you're watching boxing or something, you'll see, you know, you know, you'll see someone get a hit that you don't think in the context of the fight is that, uh, that big, of a, big of a hit, but they'll drop. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's something that if you get a knock on the jaw, it's unexpected. And, you know, unexpected. Exactly. It, it's the sort of thing that uh, it can rattle you. Um, 
I didn't like Rance's the previous week for the fact that they were looking at each other, they were pushing each other, yep. and he was bra- he, he did the exact same thing to Buddy. Oh, I completely it was brace yeah. for contact. Buddy touching it, and whoa! Like it was kind of that was set. just that was a that was, that was smart by Rance, but I also it did annoy me because it, you know you know it felt like he that. went into the whole situation with the intention of diving and getting a freaking no yeah. Where right. Clayton was just walking past and having to get a brush, he got he got a knock on the jaw and. You would be shocked and you would go down. I don't think Schofield should have got weeks for it. It should be insufficient force. He's appealing it. It could happen. But if it's Jesus, an elbow to the head, if it's an elbow to the head, then it, technically it's, it's. I mean, it's justified in, in getting weeks for it. He didn't get it. How do you... Insufficient force. They, they go with insufficient force a lot and they're trying to crack down on it and that's why he got a week. We'll yeah, see yeah. how the... I think they, I think they do. I, on a, gen, as a general note, this is not specific to the Oliver incident, I, do, I would like to see them crack down on diving. Yeah, just more generally. I I, I don't think it's. I, I, I would I would have liked to have seen Rance. It's one of the things we, we often criticise sports like soccer for is you know the players will go down. And We're t- nowhere near that soccer. No, but absolutely yes. not. But you don't you don't want to see it at all. It doesn't want to become it. I agree with you. I agree with you. But yeah, I'm def- I'm, I'm biased, but I'm defending Clayton. Number three, we got a question from Plebs on Footy Podcast, <laughs> which I think was that Rory stuffing up, logging in, or was that you? That was Rory. That was Rory. I thought that was Rory. Um, he accidentally posted this plebs on Footy Podcast and said, "Why would himself, I ask he's this a, question?" He's a dead set flog. <laughs> Given that Collingwood only got thirty five thousand to its blockbuster against Port Adelaide, St Kilda only got fifteen thousand to its match against the Gold Coast, and the Bulldogs only got twenty eight thousand against Tasmania, meaning North Melbourne, he's a dickhead. <laughs> should the, should those clubs be moved to Tehran, Nairobi, or Mozambique, respectively, or should more than one week's crowd numbers be taken into account? Okay. The difference here, Rory, is that they're not irrelevant football clubs, and yours is. And the, the difference <laughs> is that nobody is taking. When we're talking about North Melbourne, we are talking about more than one week, <laughs> yeah, and we're so talking about the fact that North Melbourne. Begged for Friday night games. They were given one. Yeah, they, that's a good they point. were given, and not only was it a Friday night game, but they were honouring a club champion who North <laughs> Melbourne supporters seem to love for some reason. Yeah, for some reason, yes. <laughs> if there were ever conditions set up for North Melbourne supporters to actually get to a game, and if there was ever going to be a game that they were going to attend, it was that one, and they didn't. They didn't turn up. Why did he put Collingwood in this question? <laughs> would get massive crowds every week and they still got 35,000. 35,000 on a Saturday afternoon against uh, against Port Adelaide. It's not a Friday night where basically your season's been built around this game in terms of getting fans to a game perspective and they couldn't get anyone there. It's embarrassing. It's it's a little bit embarrassing. I think Hachi went a little bit with that, I think actually, I don't think I don't think it was necessary. It was wrong timing for it. I think North Melbourne, are North are well. clearly the. I mean, outside of Gold Coast and GWS, who there are obviously issues with North are clearly the most irrelevant football club. It's, it's, I think that they're a well-run <laughs> football club, but their fans need to start turning up. Yep, and no one gives a, gives a toss about them. All right, uh, last question we have from Matt Curry: um, How good do you think Connor, Connor McKenna is going to be, Strand? Conor McKenna. Well, he's yeah. got a big fight coming up, doesn't he? Yeah, he's, he's Mayweather. Mayweather yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think he's going to struggle a little. Interesting. Bit. Um, I mean, I think he will. Yeah, I mean, it's he, boxing. It's boxing, and Mayweather is a, he, he hasn't lost a fight, has he? So I, I can't see how somebody who's, who's never had a boxing match in their life is going to uh, going to knock him yeah, out. I think a little bit of this is just he's an arrogant man and wants to show. That oh, the build up. Right? The build up is going to be incredible, and it's going to be an incredible payday for both of them. But um, he's going to get flopped, surely. Oh, you'd have to think so. Yeah. Anyway, moving. On. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> we know you're talking about Conor McKenna, the the Essendon player. Uh, look, I 
I've seen bits and pieces of him. I think he's got a lot of talent, and I think when I talk about the fact that Essendon are quite a quick and quite a, a dangerous list, I think he's one of the major reasons for that, playing off half-back. He's very creative. He's very quick. Irish players seem to be able to kick. Yeah. He, look, he's still he's still rusty. He's inconsistent. He has... I, that. I think I, I saw... I haven't seen much of him, um, I'll be honest, but I did see some of the uh, analysis from, from uh, the Friday night game where they were actually... Uh, Show, they, were, they were showing some of his uh, some of his work, and he's got uh, a very he's a risk taker, but a he lot is. of he's he's got an ability to create a lot of uh, a lot of play through the centre. He and does. It's, it's if if he can sort of uh, develop his game, I think he's going to be a very uh, he's going to be a very sort of uh, potent weapon coming out of uh, coming out of the back line. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a very dangerous, talented player. I think, I, he needs I to rein it in a little bit more. But I think there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, absolutely, and he's going to lose to Mayweather. <laughs> All right, quickly, we're going to do our tip stringer. Jeez, uh, it's a big game Friday night. Melbourne against Sydney at the G. Who are you tipping? Huge. This is huge. Um, this is. Basically a must-win game for both clubs. I honestly, I can't see Melbourne losing this. The way if they play the way that they've played over the last few weeks, they'll win this game. Yeah, um, I, I know. I've said that I think Sydney are underrated, and Sydney definitely have the potential to win this game. But everything's going to have to go right for them. I'm a bit. I feel like we've been riding a wave a little bit, and I'm a little bit concerned. We're at one point going to catch up to us, but I, I just I have to tip Melbourne. Like I just have to. That's I'm true. excited, so I'm tipping Melbourne. Yeah. Uh, Western Bulldogs, West Coast at Etihad Stadium. Etihad Stadium's got to be the Bulldogs. Yeah, agreed. Uh, absolute must-win game for both teams. Uh, the Bulldogs, they they managed to pull it out in important times. Uh, Carlton Adelaide at the G. Um, yeah, look, I I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blues win this game, but um, I. It's hard to tip against Adelaide, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Carlton are always dangerous, but you have to tip Adelaide. Uh, Gold Coast, North Melbourne, and Metricon. Who cares? Yeah, that is an early contender <laughs> for Gold Jacket, Green Jacket. There's no question about that. Who's going to win it? Um, oh, uh, Gold Coast and Gaz's 300th. Yeah. Uh, is he definitely going to play? There was some discussion about it. But I'm going Gold uh, he, Coast. He, he, just, he only just missed last week. He'll play. Yeah. I'm going Gold Coast just because... Screw you, Rory. Uh, GWS Geelong at Spotless Stadium. Huge game. Um, mm-hmm. GWS. GWS at home, I think so. Yeah. Uh, Port Adelaide, Richmond at the Adelaide Oval. Um, Big game. Port Adelaide. Yeah, Port Adelaide. I rate them, as you know. Essendon, Brisbane at Etihad. Um, Going to have to go with Essendon. Essendon will kill them. I reckon, really? I reckon. I, I again, I would not be surprised to see Brisbane get up. I, I think that they've they've showed glimpses of a halfway decent side this year. They've had glimpses of competitive footy, but they I, have. I just have. I, I think. I think that uh, if in, in the right conditions, they can win. Uh, Hawthorne Collingwood at the G. Uh, yeah, I mean we we saw this game not not long ago, and um, aside from the first quarter, Collingwood were pretty dominant. Um, I'd expect to see that again, especially after last week. They didn't play their best footy. I'd expect to be, them to be back on the ball this week. Yeah, I, I think Collingwood will win that. Uh, and Frio St Kilda at Domain Stadium. Very interesting game. That's I think. I mean, this is, these are two actually. clubs that have been very hard to pick this year. You don't know which team's going to turn up. Um, I'd say being in Perth just gives Freo the edge, but I mean, this could go either way. It's really uh, tough. Yeah, I'm feeling somewhat 50 50. Uh, I'm going to go St Kilda. I think oh, they're really? a better team, and, you know, it's fun to be different. I do think they're so, a better team, but uh, I think being in, as I said, being in Perth gives Freo the yeah. edge. Well, anyway, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, yeah. Stringer said he wanted one. Did you want to say a message or something? I just want to quickly say that uh, I'm very curious to know if anyone actually listens to this you podcast. You are such an idiot. <laughs> Mate, we get many listeners every week, they love us. 
If you are somebody, if you are somebody who listens to this podcast and does not have any association with anyone involved with it, can you please message the page and just just let us know you're out there? Because I think that uh, <laughs> I, I'm fascinated to know uh, how many people are actually listening to this. We're trying, yeah, we're trying to improve, and we would appreciate your feedback. To We'd love what, some what feedback. Yeah, let us know your favourite segments, uh, innovations, and. Whatever else, I mean, we're going to assume that's everyone's favourite. But and let us know how you've <laughs> rated, accurate, how you've rated the podcast without Rory as well. Whether whether yep. you'd like him to take a permanent break. Yep, I, I think we all would prefer. I, I, I think he will be back next week. I'm not 100 percent sold on that. I may have to get someone to step in. I think we will have Rory back next week, unfortunately. But until then, goodbye. <laughs>